Grant. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest is Shaw Brown, one of the longest tenured producers in U.S. soccer television, who has some great stories you'll want to hear. Before we get going, you can sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. It has all my writing, including 14 magazine-style stories in our first four months, and lots of free posts as well. That's grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. Now, here's my interview with Shaw Brown. Our guest now is a good friend of mine and one of the longest tenured soccer television producers in the United States. Shaw Brown is a freelancer these days who does a lot of work for CBS Sports HQ. And over the past two and a half decades, he has also worked for Fox Sports, NBC Sports, and ESPN. Basically, if you name a major figure in soccer, domestic or foreign, since the late 90s, there's a good chance that Shaw Brown has interviewed or interacted with that person. Shaw, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Grant. Lots to talk about. You're a hard interview. You don't do too many of these. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate this. But just to start for our listeners, you can do this probably better than I can. What does your job involve? Oof. A lot of phone calls and a lot of uh, planning. Um, what does it involve? So I think the harder part of the job is actually leading up to it, right? It's the, like, we do a Monday show on CBS HQ. So every week I want to get a guest and we have American feel to it. So it's always the planning of it. And who do I have and, and who can come on and, and what kind of stories are going on during a transfer month too. It's a little bit harder, actually. So that's the hardest part. I would think it's just the planning of, of who would come on, what we can do. And, and it's all shows. Like, I feel like you always want to do a similar show because it's harder to make mistakes if you do that. And you want to have a clean show as close as you can. But you always want wrinkles. So how do you mix it up a little bit? I'm lucky the group at CBS HQ are awesome to work with. And honestly, everywhere I've been, I've been really lucky. Passionate people that care about the sport and want to be involved with it um, and are throwing ideas at me too, all the way up to the announcers. So that's a lot of it. When it's day, you know, rehearsal days are great, um, but day of show or day of game, it's the fun part, right? I mean, it's the stress of it. I'm a failed soccer player. So the next best thing is to be really close to it, um, which for me is in a TV truck or in a studio producing control room. And I love that part. I love the energy of it still. Um, I miss not being in a TV truck when I haven't been there for a while. So although February 27th, 28th is a long way away for an MLS game, I can't wait for it to get here so that I can be back in a truck to do a game. But, uh, you know, it's it's... I like to think I'm sort of like the dad of a show, kind of moving things along. I'm not the mom because I way too many things would fall through the cracks if I was doing that. But like, I kind of like move the show along and I'm kind of leading it. But it's really important that it's everybody's show one way or another. They're all involved from the PA and the graphics person all the way up to the lead announcer and host that like it's it's a group. We're, we're all one team and the only way it's going to be a good show is all of us are doing it. So you have an incredible ability to land amazing interviews from the soccer world for CBS. You got FC Sheriff Sebastian Till on Zoom from Moldova the day after he scored a Champions League goal to beat Real Madrid. And you've landed A-list names like Robert Lewandowski, Jose Mourinho, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Andriy Shevchenko, Kaká, and a host of others for interviews. I know, probably better than most, how hard that is to do. 
How do you do it? Oof. Uh, I would say there's a fair amount of luck involved. It goes back to a lot of phone calls, but it's, uh, look, my boss at HQ is this guy named Q in Portland. He's wonderful. And he likes to say one of my superpowers is being able to keep in touch with people. <laughs> um, and, and as I look at it, he's, you know, I, I'm good at it, right? But like, I don't, I have the ability to talk soccer. I've lived in a couple of places. I've traveled a lot. So I, there's things off the pitch I can talk about pretty easily with people. I do do a good job of keeping in touch with people. And you don't know if you don't ask sometimes. So the, the Till one actually was harder than others, right? Because like Schweinsteiger is amazing. He's great. He's wonderful. His agent's awesome. And you don't ask often, but you're like, hey, Munich's in the final. You want to do the Champions League final? With this? Sure, why not? Kaká was awesome last year because he showed up and he was a little late. And when he showed up, we were running a piece of Milan losing to Liverpool with Luis Garcia. And so we come, we come out of the piece and he's there and he's like, wait, you really ran that as I'm coming on? And then Luis and, then Luis and him start talking and having a laugh. And I was like, I actually said to all the guys, like, just let him talk. Like, it's fine. Look, I've said this, I think, to you in the past. I really mean this. Like, I try never to change the game on anybody. Like, we agreed to something. We do it. So I think people trust me. They know I'm not going to put them in bad positions. If I am about to put them in a bad position, I let them know that, hey, something's different now. I'm sorry. This is how it is. If you don't want to do it, it'll be terrible for me, but I get it. And yeah, I mean, and again, I think a lot of people know that like I'm trying to do something for soccer in the United States. I'm not trying to not ask them for money. I'm not trying to do anything. I've helped uh, players get on channels that I'm not working for. I've helped agents find clubs for players. That, and I'm not turning around and saying, hey, I want my share. I just want soccer to do well in this country. And it's, it is important to me. And yeah, like Till's a prime example. When I scored, I was like, God, I know that name. And I know one person from Luxembourg, and it's his agent, who... <laughs> Uh, helped me get an interview with a player from Dynamo Kiev the year before and I was like looking through our strand and I was like oh my god Olivia Till it's got to be a brother or a cousin or something so I said do you represent Sebastian too and he's like I do and I was like is there any chance you come on my show live tonight he's like no they're going out and I was like all right that's fair I was like what about tomorrow he's like what time you know, it was all the way up until like we were on the air at noon I think at 11 o'clock he's like okay he'll come on so he's a little sweating but you got to ask, and, you, and look, uh, I like to be good to people. So even if it's someone from MLS asking for a favor or U.S. soccer asking for a favor, it's okay. Well, what's the difference? To make a phone call or connect to people. Like, it, it's important and it's easy, and it's, even if it's hard, it's sometimes worth it because you never know. Someone might help you when you need it. There's also, I think, in my own experience, two sort of major forces at work. The one that makes it difficult is that, especially with international soccer stars from outside the U.S., they don't give as many interviews day to day in their media in their countries. And so that's just not a big part of it. It's not in post-game settings either. It's just a different culture. Now that makes it difficult, but there's a force that you do have working for you if you're a US outlet, which is that most of the big figures in soccer globally want to get bigger in the U.S. And so sometimes they are willing to consider doing interviews with U.S. outlets that they might not consider coming from other countries. Right now, I would say to you, you just asked me a question with a statement. So if we were doing TV, you and I would be having a conversation after. But, um, <laughs> but what I would say, Grant, is, uh, look, the one that sticks out to me with that is Lewandowski, who did it while he was injured. 
that doesn't happen outside this country. It's not, it's, you can actually do that often with U.S. athletes. When they're injured, they'll be good about it. But Lewandowski was a big deal. And, I, you know, there were people that it, it was a surprise to me when they offered it. But he wanted to do something on American TV. And so, yeah, you, you never say no. I mean, sometimes, though, it's I remember Matt Hummels seeing me when he came on and he said, boy, you look tired. And I was like, yeah, it's 9 a.m. your time. So <laughs> I am tired. He's like, oh, on a Sunday. And I was like, yeah. I was like, so I'm tired. He's like, fair enough. And like we carry, you know, he was actually really funny about it. He was a good guy about it. But like, so there's some of that, too. Like once in a while, I remember Duvan Zapato agreed to do it right before the last World Cup. And they're like, okay, we'll see you at nine. And I was like, okay, wait, which nine? And they're like, 9 a.m. our time. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so, you know, roll out of bed at 2.45, have a translator, because my Spanish is no bueno. And he showed up 45 minutes late, which, you know, at one o'clock in the afternoon is like, ugh. At three o'clock in the morning, you're like, come on, man. <laughs> you know? And there was no like, hey, sorry, I'm late or anything. It's just like, okay, let's go. So, but honestly, like, I actually enjoy some of the chase. I'm sure you understand and appreciate it too. Um, I enjoy the chase. And I actually enjoy like when you get somebody too, right? Like you'll call me and be like, hey, I, got, I landed this interview with someone. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's fun and, and, I, and I, I enjoy part of it and I enjoy helping other people pull it off too because, look, I think I'm, I do a good job interviewing people, but I'm not an on-air talent. I'm not a writer. So there's things I do get used for other, other purposes and I'm happy to hand them off to people I work with or work around to do the actual interviews so it'll ebb in a bigger spot or it goes in a better place. Has the rise of Zoom as a platform and maybe to some extent even the pandemic, has that made it slightly easier to do interviews with global soccer figures for television? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not, I mean for both, both sides too, right? We don't need an hour to set up. We don't need the, a big room or any of that stuff. I can log on at 3 a.m. And at 3.01, I could be doing an interview. Look, quality is not necessarily as good. So a lot of clubs around the world, big clubs, are now filming those interviews because they want them to look better. So that's great. Nobody wants my side of it anyway. And so now you've got a great camera shooting on the other side. And so it looks as good as if I was there. And I love the clubs that have invested in doing that. And it's really important. And even some clubs like Chelsea has been amazing about, hey, ITV is going to shoot this for us today uh, they'll send you the clips and you're like oh that's amazing right like and so yeah look i get calls two three times a month saying hey we know you want to do something with blah 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 can you do it via zoom next week and there are clubs that are still not letting people in so no problems right inter milan called me a couple weeks ago and said hey we we're trying to get one player out here could you help us and do an interview like i'm out of the blue and i was like sure when they're like tomorrow and i was like oh uh, in what language? They're like, well, in English? And I was like, well, that's easy. And then they called me Friday morning. We're like, in Italian? I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and Mike Grella, came to, Mike Grella came to the rescue and he was great. And, um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you should never say no. Like, Sebastian Till was great. I didn't know if he'd be any good. He was great. I got Mana Solomon after he beat Real Madrid. Twice he did it. He came on twice. The second time he came on live, the first time we taped it, he's like, wait, is this live? And I was like, yeah. And Ian Joy, who's one of the best teammates in the whole wide world, uh, was like, you'll be great. Like, and they laughed and, and he was great because they, mm-hmm. you know. So like, yeah, I think the Zoom has made it easy. You wouldn't get these the day after. I, I mean, I'd still be trying to track down Sebastian Till if we were doing it another way. 
So and and it and most importantly, it doesn't cost much, right? right. For either side. So. You know, I remember once going to Bayer Leverkusen before the O2 World Cup and getting seven guys in one day. And it cost a fortune to go do it. But it was an amazing day. Now, log on, log back off. Like, it's great. And the teams feel similarly. There was one moment when you were at Fox, and this was early in the pandemic, where you were doing a show basically via Zoom with even everyone on it. And for Alexi Lalas's birthday, he's a big fan of Rat. Is, are they a hair metal band? Is that the best way to, to describe them? I'm sure Alexi will correct me, but like you actually got the lead singer of Rat to surprise Alexi on his birthday. How did you do that? How did that come off? Yeah, a lot of credit to Rob Stone, who's like, we were doing a show called Inside Soccer, Indoor Soccer, excuse me, um, during the pandemic. And so like a month out, he's like, by the way, Alexi's birthday is going to be on one of the days we tape. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what do you think you'd want? He's like, I don't know, like the lead singer of Rat? And I was like, sure, that seems easy. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, you know what, I might as well try. And I honestly went to like rat.com and like looked up who the guy was. And I got in touch with the guy who represented him, soccer fan out of Hawaii. So now you got time zone issues. And like, he's like, yeah, you know, after days of back and forth, they're like, yeah, he'll come on his handler. We'll make sure he gets on. And I was like, well, well <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> so we had Bob Bradley as our guest that day. Also, Bob was, Bob's awesome. Like, I think he's an awesome interview. And so like, we we're going longer than we expected. And Alexi wanted to ask more questions. And I'm trying to shut this down because Stephen Percy's name was, was late. And now he's ready and he's sitting in the weight room. And now he's waiting there. And I'm like, I got to get him on, right? And Alexi sent me texts like, do not hang up with Bob. I need to ask another question. And I'm like, and finally, I was like, Rob was in on it. Rob's like, all right, Bob, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And I mean, Alexi was unhappy with me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, Rob's like, hey, I'd like to welcome in our next guest. And then comes Stephen Percy and like Alexi's face lit up. And he was great. <laughs> they laughed. They talked. Uh, it was a really cool birthday like gift to do. And look, Alexi, uh, speaking of great teammates, Alexi's another one. And like during the pandemic, my poor son had two birthdays during the main part of the pandemic. And like he called and sang him a birthday song. And so like doing something for, again, we talked about this at the start, like doing something to help people or doing something like that was the chase again was hard and it was sweating all day waiting to see if he shows up but it was fun it was worth it and it was a good memory that everyone on that show that day laughed and will remember for a long time i will say that the transition from bob bradley to the lead singer of rat yeah. is a significant one well just the hair alone right i mean so um but equally equally great in their own ways so it was good it was fun so you work with all sorts of TV broadcasters, play-by-play -play analysts, sideline reporters, studio hosts. What sort of things do you look for when you're hiring somebody? And what do you often work on improving with people who've already been hired so they can get better? So for on-air talent, a lot of it... I think it's just a feeling, right? Like energy is really important to me. And I'm not talking about like being over the top, crazy energy. It's a feel, right? Like you just, you can tell somebody's got like, I mean, I'll use this example I've used it, but Stu Holden's got great energy, right? People want to talk to Stu. People want to listen to Stu. People want to banter with Stu and Stu's ready to do all of those things. So like he's a prime example, but like I was involved with Tim Howard. I was involved with Mo. Look, helping people is a different story. Helping, for me, helping them is 
they got to be a nice human. That's how it starts. If they don't, if they're not, I don't want to help them in the first place. But like after that, I find myself working on a lot of being 15 seconds, right? Like the first time Demarcus Beasley and I talked about doing television, I said to him, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to take 30 seconds to answer it. And he's like, oh, okay. And like 15 seconds in, he was done. And I was like, that's how long 30 seconds actually is. It feels long. It feels short, but it's long, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to talk in small bites and getting your point across is really important. That's something I work on a lot and it's different in game than it is in studio. I think that it, it's weird. It's the same thing I think when you're an athlete, but like I want you to be quick, but not fast so that like you're saying stuff and it doesn't just sound like you're just throwing stuff out there, but you're actually making a point, but you're going at a good rhythm. And I don't want you to sit there when a question's asked and think about an answer. You got to be able to speak. You gotta, you gotta be thinking about what's coming next. Even if mm-hmm. you hadn't had time to rehearse, you have to be ready. So I think a lot of it goes hand in hand. Uh, but when I'm looking for somebody, honestly, I want them to have a good, want like a fun, not goofy necessarily, but but fun and like want like engaging and like are interested in stuff. So it's not that hard to find the right guys, I think. And we've been pretty good about finding the, this generation because we were getting. You know, we had John Hawks and Eric Ronaldo, and that was it for quite a while. And so now we've got a good young group of of ex-players that are doing this. We can all be better at everything we do, right? But um, I think that we're very lucky right now that as we go into a massive year, we've got people on all the channels doing good stuff. Who are some current soccer players who you think could be good in television once their playing careers are over? Domestically or internationally or both? Both. All right. I don't want to give away all my things, though, because I don't want people to go get them if I'm already talking to them. Look, I think Dax will be fun and good. And, McCarty. And, yeah, I think Dax McCarty will be good. He's already started doing stuff, so it's not a big jump there. He's retired, but Schweinsteiger should be doing it. I mean, I don't know what his, what his, like, his German's like, but his English was great. And again, he's just... It, he's inviting, you know what I mean? You start talking to him yeah. and you're like, hey, I like this guy, like... Like he's fun. He's nice. He's he's able to break the game down while like telling me stuff I didn't know and not make me feel like I don't. I'm an idiot for not knowing it, which I think all of those things are important. I think Tyler Adams will be excellent when he retires. Let's hope that's two World Cup championships and <laughs> and 15 years from now. But I think he'd be great. I think that Chiellini would be really fun. To work with, mm-hmm. I think I'd put him in his studio. He, you know, I think if you're talking English, then I'm a firm believer that people who English is their first language should be calling the game. While in studio, it doesn't matter what language is your first language as long as your English is good enough. Somebody that we haven't heard a lot in America that that is retired, Roque Santa Cruz. I've done a couple things with him. Hmm. Magical. Funny enough that he's engaging other players when we're doing stuff in English, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty awesome. We've we've done some stuff with Luis. I think Pogba would be great again on a desk, right? Because again, you want people that are going to engage other people and make people want to talk and be better. I think Paul Pogba would be wonderful at that, and he's one of the guys I've not really done anything with at all. Uh, but I do think he'd be wonderful. And then look, Jesse Marsh when he. Again, three World Cup championships and so on from now, but he'll be great too. No, I really appreciate you sharing with it. That's interesting. Part of me wishes that at some point for a World Cup that you were given like six months to hire a a list of people like ones you mentioned from different countries. And I think you could do it 
better than anyone has ever done before. So I hope you get that opportunity. <laughs> I, I won't comment too much on that, but I hope I get that opportunity too. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could pick three of your most memorable interviews from over the years, who would they be and why? The first one's got to be Jose Mourinho, the first time he came over here with Chelsea. So Jose Mourinho doesn't know this, but like he's got a little history with me because he worked with Bobby Robson. And so Bobby Robson was the manager of Ipswich Town. And I have a lot of love for this crap soccer team in Suffolk that is getting better all the time. 4-0, by the way, on the weekend. Absolutely beautiful. But um, he came over and I was really excited to meet him, right? Because like he's involved with someone that gave me a lot of happy times in my life. He comes in uh, in New Jersey. Tommy Smith is doing the interview. But he's going to answer questions in English and Spanish, which is awesome. He can also talk in French and Portuguese and Italian. I mean, he's ridiculous, right? He could be a translator now if he wanted when he retires. So he walks in, comes in, you know, puff and puff. People are a little bit worried about him. He couldn't be more gracious, sits down. And he's like, oh, wait, stop, everybody, phones off. On, not on mute, please, on off. And you see everyone like scrambling to switch their phones off. Tommy asks the first question. As he starts to talk, his phone rings. He looks down and he's like, oh, excuse me. And he walked out and he's picked up the phone, walked out, comes back in. He's like, transfers. And he sat back down and he's like, I'm going to leave my phone on. <laughs> I was like, okay. So he was exactly what I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Um, but it was great. Like he was, he was wonderful. Like for me, it was, it was exactly what I, what I expected and wanted. And I think Chelsea, it was his first time with them basically too. And I think they were like, all right, this guy's going to be wonderful to do. So I think that one was great. I had the pleasure of my first ever interviews were for ABC at the 94 World Cup. Um, I was the researcher on it and I went to LA for the final and um, my boss at the time, Bob Yalen, got called to go do something else and he hands me a list of questions and he says, you take care of these, I'm going to go do the next interview. And I was like, oh, okay, who am I interviewing? And he's like, um, Pele and Bobby Charlton. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, you'll be fine. And like he walked out and he went to go do the other thing. And I was like, I don't know what he's going to do. I actually don't know if I still don't know what he did, actually. That was more important than that. But so my first two interviews in all of TV land was those two. And I thought, oh, my God, like so. And Pele was as wonderful as expected. And I got to play at the O2 World Cup. I got to play with Bobby Charlton and uh, yeah. he was amazing. He yelled at me a lot because I somehow ended up being on the same side as him and he wanted me to keep short passes going. And I was, you know, as I once said to him and during that game, you're Bobby Charlton, you can yell at me all you want. It's okay. I'm good. Uh, so that was amazing, right? And then uh, I think maybe uh, these, I, I think I'd probably go with um, a live one after that. And we got to do, I did the Zlatan game, his first game which mm -hmm. was LA, LA. And Katie Witham was my sideline person. She's got this amazing ability of making people feel really comfortable. And so Tom wasn't a fantastic interview pre-match. I, and I, I think that that's just how he is. He's locked in in a game. But post-match, he can be epic. And, uh, you know, he just scored two goals, one a worldie that anyone who was involved remembers. And uh, it just came off. I don't remember the interview. I just know it was awesome. Like, his energy was awesome. He was so excited. And, like, Katie just got dragged it out of him. And it wasn't, she was so good about it. She asked, like, you know, a three-word question. 
And he just let him go and like stayed out of the way. So look, I've been really lucky. Like, you know, I was on the David Beckham watch the first season he was here. So David Beckham and I, he probably would look at me and be like, I don't think I know you, but we spent a lot of time together. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to throw in a fourth one. I got to interview him the day he got recalled by England. And when I sat down, I was told not to ask him about that specifically because Sky was going to talk to him shortly and they were going to get the question in. And I was like, wait, what? And so I turned to my camera guy and I said, just start rolling as soon as he sits down. And he's like, oh, okay. Sits down and I said, David, good to see you. He's like, hey, I was like, wonderful day out, huh? He's like, oh, it's amazing. And he just goes straight into being called in by England. <laughs> and like, and, I, and so the PR person was like, unhappy with me after. And my, my camera guy, who's a brilliant guy, like rewound it and said, hey, you never asked him. You want to listen? And I was like, so, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, look, most of the time it's, it's setting some, something up for somebody, right? Like like I said, like when you came back from Sheriff and you're like, hey, Till was awesome and he hooked me up with everyone else. Mm -hmm. That's good enough for me, right? So, Julie Foudy is one of the greatest interviews of all time. She is one of the greatest people of all time. I was nervous the first time I met them, right? It was 95. These, they were world champions. And she was wonderful. She's always been wonderful. And like, if you ever get a chance, anybody who listens to this to ever talk to Julie Foudy, she's going to be like, thanks, Shaw. I got lots of people calling me now. But <laughs> everyone should interview Julie Foudy once and let her talk about the history of women's soccer to you because epic. She's epic as a human and epic as the knowledge. And like, she's given so much back and to us, to people like you and me too, Grant. And, and so I, I shouldn't leave her out of that. Like anytime I get a chance to interview her, even just talk to her, I always do it. So you were at NBC Sports when they got MLS for a while and then they got the Premier League and you got to see how NBC formulated their approach to how they were going to cover the Premier League, which is, I think, been met with very positive reviews ever since they got the Premier League. What stood out to you about the tone that NBC chose to cover the Premier League? Because it's not the tone that every television network has chosen to cover soccer in the U.S. with. Uh, whew. I would say, look, from the day they did soccer, I used to think when NBC did stuff and I talked to NBC people, I always used to be like, boy, they think they're good at what they do. And then when I got there and started doing stuff, I was like, boy, they're good at what they do. So uh, it's simple. And everyone's gotten there, taken different routes there. And I think we're there for the most part. But it's about the game. And for them, it's always about the game. And so there might be a little bit of, oh, it's not as much fun as something else. But listening to them break the game down, listening to them handle big situations. I was there the day the Man United Old Trafford was broken into. I was working the tape room and watching Pierre Moussa who, and Adam Littlefield, the two people that kind of run Premier League, handle things, uh, becoming news, news people instead of sports people, was amazing. I, I just, it's serious. It's serious for them. It's serious business for them all the time. Uh, it's about the game. They want you to, you know, we hear about athletes saying this all the time, like this, they want you to smell and be able to feel everything about it. And they take this, what they do very seriously, but they don't want to get in the way of what they're doing. Um, and so I think ESPN does that differently and does it very, very well. And I think Fox and CBS also do it similarly. But again, it's just the way they perceive everything they do, including Olympics, I've done Olympics with them, is it's always about the event. And so they want to be really good at what they do as they call the game, but they also don't want to be 
remembered necessarily for that. Interesting. At CBS Sports HQ, tone-wise, how have you approached what you're doing there? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to get similarly, but also understanding where we are uh, and what we're doing. So I would say that uh, we talk the game a lot, but we have a little bit more fun, I think, in the sense of like there are moments where you know something happens and we just we go we go with it that route which i think nbc would still stay stay on the straight and narrow so but look i've got a host that has gotten immeasurably better like she's fantastic poppy miller jimmy conrad has blown me out of the water of where he started where he's at i was uh, i'm surprised at how good he was maybe that's unfair but how good he was and how good he is uh i said already ian but like the more i get to know ian off of this too just wow Everyone should have any enjoy in their life. And then Luis Garcia kind of fit right in. And we've got this amazing guy. Like, let alone broadcast and what he's done as a player, but, like, just amazing guy. Like, cares about people and checks on people. And, like, he's just so – our tone is very, hey, this is important, what we do. And it's not because we know there's stuff that's really important in this world too. Yeah, that makes sense. When you were at Fox, you ran a lot of the remote broadcasts, including at the World Cups in 2015, 2018, and 2019. What did that involve you doing? Oh, a lot of travel. What did it have me doing? I would say that uh, I just made a joke, but it's true. A lot of travel, um, trying to keep our announcers safe, not safe, not safe in the sense of like, you know, taking care of yourself, right? You're doing all this stuff. Uh, you got to make sure you get rest. You got to make sure that you're eating well. Like, uh, you find yourself being um, a lot less of a producer and a lot more of um, uh, almost like a, a handler in a lot of ways. That being said, you're still, you're listening while they're doing it. I'm not calling replays. I'm in the, I'm in the stadium with them and I'm listening and, hey, we got to fix this. So, so I'm doing some of the producing parts. But it's, uh, you know, the way I look at it is you're looking out for the people that you're with in a lot of ways and you're trying to make sure that they're taken care of any way you can and then making sure that from point A to point B is easy for them so that they can get the best out of it. I mean, 17 games John and Stu called and John's voice never cracked. And keeping, I'm not a person that keeps things light as a human because that's not how I'm built, but like keeping it light for people, right? Like I, I'm very serious when it comes to work. I, I'm aware of that, but I can, and I can laugh and stuff, but when it's time to work, it's time to work. But knowing that there are moments that that's not the right time to do those things. And I give a ton of credit to the technical people. I've done, you know, between men's and women, I've done 13 women's and men's World Cups. And just, I mean, I think I do a lot of work. Oh my God. Like the people that, that, that get it on the air and the people in studio doing all that too. Like it's, it's fun and I wouldn't give, I would do a World Cup I wouldn't want to do it every two years. I'm happy with it every four years. But um, I love doing World Cups. But I don't think people realize the amount of work people put into it and the amount of care that people give it. I just remember the World Cup in Russia. There was so much travel for you and Stu Holden and John Strong and the group that you were traveling with. 2 a.m. flights, 3 a.m. flights all the time. And just the sheer volume of the number of games. And to their credit, those guys wanted to do a lot of games, and they did. But just uh, the toll that that takes is a lot, you know? And it's fun. So, like, I don't think anyone's complaining, but it's, it's just uh, it's a challenging thing, you know? I mean, nobody's counting, but we took 28 flights and uh, one train ride. <laughs> 
for 17 <laughs> games. But I, it was fun. I mean, seriously, the first game we called was Spain-Portugal. Yeah, <laughs> it was what a, a game. And it just, yeah, I mean, Germany, the Germany goal against Sweden where Gross. Tony Cruz scored. Yeah, uh, yeah so, and, and, and as, as he's lining up, Stu takes his headset off, looks at me, goes, it's going to be a goal, watch, and boom. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and he looked at me, he's like, I don't know, I just knew, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the moments you care, and, and lucky enough that, that John and Stu were amazing about everything. A couple more questions here with Shaw Brown. Appreciate you taking this much time. Where do you see soccer on U.S. television going from here in the future? Uh, <laughs> it's a tough one. Look, I think that uh, it's great that so many channels are involved. It makes us better. I hope it should continue to do that, us trying to outdo the other. It is people want in, which is great. It's a growing sport still, which is amazing. I think that at 2026 coming, that people will continue to want it. And I bet you there'll be soccer shows, which we need. We need weekly soccer shows. We need daily soccer shows. Honestly, we need like adventure soccer shows where it's like go get on a plane and go to to Portland and here's what you should do. And so I think there's loads of space for it. Stu and I keep talking about this too. And I say to him, you should be a game show host. Maybe there's a game show soccer show. Um, There's a place, there's a show in England where there used to be, I don't know if it's still there, called The Question of Sport. And it's this sports show whether it's a quiz show about sport and it's amazing i think it'd be great at that but no i think look i think that um it's really important that there's money put towards the production of it whether it's studio shows whether it's games i do think that we and i'm included in this need to be better on the way we produce soccer games in this country i say it a lot i mean it always we can always be better about the things we do i think that sometimes uh we're slow to getting a replay, slow to uh, taking too many cuts, all those kind of things that we could clean up. But we need a, f- a lot of infusion of fresh blood in a lot of ways. And we also need the ability to, to do that, right? So like the next contract for MLS is massive, not just monetarily, but also the way we're going to cover soccer moving forward. And U.S. soccer similarly, right? Like, I get the U.S. soccer doesn't have any World Cup qualifiers for men in the next round, but, oh, my God, this team's going to be awesome to watch. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, this might not even be the best group. The next group might be better, right? Like, as we're watching Pepe's group of people coming up and people like, well, look at this guy. You just, so, I, and the women, well, the women, they had a blip last year. They're always going to be great. And so, like, I hope, I hope that lots of channels are involved I hope that they care and want to be better than the other channels so that the, the broadcast from studios to production of it is good. And I hope that we can take the good of what we see in other countries and add it to what we're missing here. Uh, we're not that far behind. I would argue that if you give me the best crew in the United States, which they get at all the big England games and all the big Germany games, that there wouldn't be much of a difference. And I'm sure I'm going to hear that from somebody, but I mean that. I know the camera guys and the top EV, like video guys and tape guys. And honestly, we sound, it sounds great when it's done right here. There's so many stadiums now that sound amazing. We've got more coming. I just think, we're, I mean, think about where we are. 27 years. I did the second MLS game. Like, I get it. it. It's just, it's amazing to watch where we're going. Will we ever have a John Madden equivalent for U.S. soccer broadcast? I mean, I don't know. Do we have a John Madden equivalent for baseball and hockey? And oh, I guess we do. Some of those guys are amazing. I don't know. I mean, I think you need a coach to be the first of all, because I do think they see the game differently. 
So, like, mm-hmm. as good as the people we have, do we have a ex-coach that could be like that? I don't know. I mean, I do think that Mourinho could be good, but he wouldn't call games. I wouldn't. I think he would be better in studio, right? So now you're talking. Now we're getting to American coaches specifically. I would say. Um, I mean, Jesse could be really good, but Mars, you know. Do, yeah, sorry, Jesse Marsh, do, do you want to do TV? Like, does everyone want, you know? Um, you look around the league, there's some Greek. I mean, Jim Curtin's this quiet guy, but he's an amazing interview. He might be great on TV if he wanted to do it. It, it. Just, look, as someone who did not grow up but has watched a fair amount of John Ben, he just made it simple. For someone who was learning the game when I moved to America, I could understand what he was talking about as I was learning the game. And that is... While, while everyone who loved the game and knew the game well still didn't think he was being talked down to. I mean, that is impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. I, I, I wrote in my book chapter, in my book that came out in 2018 on Roberto Martinez, that I thought he could potentially be a John Madden type figure in, in U.S. soccer television if he wanted to do that instead of coaching. And, and not the same. Like, I don't imagine Roberto Martinez saying, boom, you know, like, or something like that. But just as someone who is could be very engaging and explain the game as a, as a coach would, but be accessible, I, I, I do feel like he could be pretty darn good at that. So Roberto's epic. I got the joy of working with him at the 2010 World Cup. He came and sat next to me, and we watched on uh, high-end zone cameras because that's how we wanted to watch soccer. And I looked up, I look up because that's how we had our high-end zones above us, and we just sit back and we'd look at it together. I got to play with him one day uh, there, and honestly, best player on the pitch. And I'm going to get shit for this, I'm sure. But Rude Hullet and and uh, and uh, Steve McManaman were on the pitch. Roberto was running that game, I promise you. Um, and, uh, and look, Roberto's got a special place in my heart because before the semis, he called my cell phone and let John and Stu interview him the day before, they maybe, no, the day before the semifinal against France. But he, he was coaching uh, it. Yeah, and then he called us and he gave them like 15, 20 minutes and it was, you know, it was amazing. Like I'd been, I'd been waiting my chance to bother him and I bothered him that week. And said, if you make the semis, would you do it? And he's like, here's my number. And then he's like, I'll call you right back. And he did. And I was like, wow. wow. So a special place in my heart, but also a wonderful guy. Like one, and he, again, people that you should meet if you've not met, he's one of them. Last question for you. You've already done a ton in your career. What's left that you still want to do? Well, you just, you did mention it earlier. Look, if I um, ever got a chance to run a World Cup, I uh, would love to. Um, uh, I have been blessed to work on so many awesome shows um, and with awesome people. Some that came from other sports to come do it and jumped right in. I've learned a lot from. Uh, I, I've been really lucky. Like I, I'm aware of that. Like I work hard and I and I make sure to help the people around me. But I've also been really lucky in in the sense of people know that they can come to me and I'll get do a job. And so that would be a job I'd like to do. My first World Cup was a 94 World Cup. Would it be amazing to do the 26 World Cup in that route? Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking anyone's job. I'm not trying to tell David Neal, hey, move over. I'd like to take your job. But like, would I love to run a World Cup? Sure. Um, I think that uh, I expect a lot of people, which um, I think can be hard for some people, but I'm also willing to work that hard also and, and pull cables or label EVS 
buttons so that people can do their jobs better. So I appreciate it. I've been everything from a runner all the way up to a coordinating producer and I've, I, and everything in between. And so that would be my dream job. Um, if I don't get there, okay. But like I've been, I've that would be it. There's nothing else actually that I would that I would say I have to do. That would be the one. Shaw Brown is one of the longest tenured soccer television producers in the United States. Shaw, thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Hopefully we'll see each other in person. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Shaw Brown as well as producer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time. Mm-hmm.